and um, I was just smiling when I walked in tonight because um, thankfully the dress code is not applicable to this evening, because uh, if you've got jeans and trainers on, normally you're not allowed in, but anyway, we're, so Christian, you'd have been gone for the first one. <laughs> we, uh, is that okay or is it a bit drafty, that door? Is that okay? Great. If you've got a Bible, friends, I want to share just for a few moments tonight from the Word of God. We believe in worship, we believe in God being ministering to God, and we believe God, we believe in God speaking to us as well. And if you've not got a Bible, don't worry. But we're a Christian church that believes that the Bible is the Word of the Lord, that it endures forever, that it speaks into people's lives today. And as Christian was saying, God is doing things, friends. As we worship tonight, God is uh, God is impacting issues that we can't even see. We're so determined at times by what we can see, but so often what is important is what we can't see. And uh, we affect the spiritual atmosphere, we affect the spiritual dimension, and it's exactly the same with the Word of God. And what we're seeking to do over these uh, opening weeks of meeting here in the Kevin Bird Conference Suite on a Sunday night, is that we're seeking by God's grace to wait on God to receive a word that will continue to break open all that God wants to do in us in these days because the thing is we're really serious about this we want God to build his church continually thank God for what he's doing all around the town in all sorts of different contexts and we give him praise for all of that faithful men and women serving God but in our particular context here we want it to grow we want it to expand we want it to be influential we want to be a place where you can bring your friends you know it's amazing what happens if you bring a friend my my uh, uh, youngest daughter Alison is part of the leadership team of the youth ministry in, in the Christian Centre in Nottingham where David's the pastor and uh, just before the summer break they, had, they get about 220 young people on a Friday night by the way just to sort of, uh, sort of remind us that lots of young people like to follow God yeah. and the youth pastor says next week everybody bring one 511 young people turned up at the church on the Friday night they were queuing down Talbot Street to get in because everybody bought one if everybody brings one for Jeff Pickup, if everybody brings one for Dave Sherman, if everybody brings one for Christian next week, you know, then friends, this is going to be filled and filled and filled. Just bring one. You don't have to give them the four spiritual laws. You don't have to knock them over there with a the Bible. Just get some literature off the table. Says that's what's happening where I'm going on a Sunday night. Would you like to come? Easy as that. You'd be surprised how many people say, I'll come. And we're always thinking they're going to say no. And most of them are waiting. This, they did a survey in the BBC recently, friends, that said there are three million people in our country that want to come to church. They're just waiting to be asked. Three million. And so people out there this week are waiting for you to ask them to come to church on Sunday night. So we're just wanting God to do something great. And what a great message last week from Christian on that opening night atmosphere where we just love God and not allowing the dream to die, but for God just to fuel the dream in every one of our hearts. And tonight I want to speak uh, from Luke chapter 4, particularly verse 19, but I'll read verse 18 as well. Be well-known verses to some of you. Here's Jesus, the hometown boy in Nazareth. And one particular day he goes to the synagogue and he begins to speak these words that were actually first prophesied hundreds of years before by Isaiah in the Old Testament. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. And here's the verse. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And I'll come to that in a moment. The week before last I was out 
uh, just walking down a street. And there it was in a nondescript shop that I wasn't about to walk in. But there it was, the first sign of the year, 115 days to Christmas. And then I read this in the paper yesterday. Temperatures are still nudging 20 degrees. The children have barely gone back to school after summer. But it must be time to start the Christmas preparations. Mince pies and Santas made of milk chocolate are hitting the supermarket shelves a mere 104 days before the main event. It goes on to talk about Sainsbury's and Tesco's with all the Christmas shops. Then a spokesman from Sainsbury's says, well, the thing is, he says, that consumers are... Uh, 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 some co- uh, somebody says that consumers are still hoping that the summer hasn't gone. But then a spokesman from, from Sainsbury says, the reason we're doing this, aren't they wonderful? The reason we're doing this is to help people spread the cost and manage their budgets. Can I just say that if you bought a mince pie yesterday, please don't serve it to me on Christmas. <laughs> And then I got an email that triggered tonight's message. Because somebody sent me an email last week and started it, Happy New Year. I thought, oh my life, what is going off? Happy Christmas, Happy New Year. What is this all about? The person that sent the email uh, carries some responsibilities and ministry in a school's environment. And they, as we actually have done in church, looked upon September as the start of a new year. Verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And here Jesus Christ, the living Son of God, stands up before his peers and people that had seen him grow in wisdom and stature and grace and said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. They couldn't accept it. In fact, some of them wanted to take him outside the town and do away with him, but his time had not yet come the year of the Lord's favor the message Bible says this is God's year to act the Bible also says that now is the time of God's favor now we'll make some reference to some specific years later but I want you to see today tonight friends that when God's speaking here in Jesus about the year of the Lord's favor It's not being determined by 365 or 366 days. It's talking, friends, about a season. It's talking about a time. It's talking about people coming together for a purpose. It's talking about a prophetic destiny that is over our lives. You may have thought you just pitched up tonight because, well, perhaps there wasn't anything else to do. And it was only Liverpool that were on Sky this afternoon. Let me just go on a side. Yesterday, how about this? My son-in-law, the grace of God in my life is amazing. My son-in-law is a Liverpool supporter. It's his birthday on Tuesday. And Sharon and me have to go and buy him a Liverpool shirt. Now, he's a very thin sort of guy. So we thought we got it off a fiver because he only needs small instead of medium. Got to the counter, wanted to charge his top price. So, well, it says it's five pounds cheaper than that. So there was mobile phones going out. No, I says, that's just for the children. You've got to pay the top. So I had to pay the top price. We, I don't know where I went with all that. But anyway, you can catch it later. But the fact is, you're here tonight, friends, because God is wanting to fuel a destiny in your lives. 
He's not wanting you to do it on your own, but he's wanting you to do it as part of a community of believers that impact this area where we live. And so tonight, friends, here we are, the second Sunday of September, and the word of the Lord over Arena Church Mansfield is, Happy New Year. It's the year of the Lord's favour. You might say, well, you don't feel like it. Did you see it on the national news and the local news this week all about Mansfield? Some of you may have seen it on the telly. It was saying that the town has some particular challenges in the economic downturn. Did you see the cameras outside the shop, Glenys? I thought you were going to be on for the second time in a month. But anyway, she's our TV star. Uh, but they were interviewing people, people that had lost jobs, people that are trying to raise a family against all the odds, people that are sort of still reflecting on some of the knocks and bumps that this town has taken. And it seemed a little bit gloomy. But God says, friends, tonight that this is the year of the Lord's favour. Despite all of that, and we don't dismiss it, we don't despise it, we don't underestimate the challenges that it brings. The kingdom of God, friends, is at work in this area. And God comes to say again tonight that he wants to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is God's year to act. It spills out, friends, way beyond what we can determine But God wants to do it. Let me give you four things about this new year. Number one, it's a year of liberation. In Leviticus Leviticus chapter 25, that book that everybody reads in the Old Testament, it talks about the year of jubilee. Interesting that that phrase came up in one of the great worship songs that the band led us so superbly in tonight. The year of jubilee. It was the 50th year in a cycle in, in the is- Israeli community, seven Sabbaths, and then at the end of the seventh of the seven years, a special jubilee year. And when we say about jubilee, there, friends, it's nothing to do with a special fiftieth year because it's a shadow of everything that was to come that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So it's not literal years and literal days, but all the blessings of jubilee are now fulfilled in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so God says tonight that actually every one of us here can experience a jubilee year over our lives. And we could spend a lot of time here, and I was 13 minutes in the second service this morning. I'm not promising to do that again, but I'm not going to be that long. But here we go, friends. There's three things I want you to recognize that happen when we understand the blessing of jubilee over our lives. Number one, firstly, slaves are released. Slaves are released. You can read about it in Leviticus 39 to 41. It was a year when if you were a slave, you had the opportunity to be set free. And the Bible says in the New Testament that if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Bible says, friends, that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You see, the most free people in the world are the people that have become slaves of Jesus Christ. It's the most liberating place to be in all the world when we've given our lives over to Jesus because he has set us free. What do you need to be set free from tonight? Do you need to be set free from sin? It's not a very popular word nowadays. It simply means that we've missed the mark. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But maybe there's stuff in your life that binds you, holds you, It restricts you, limits you, causes you to feel ashamed and unclean. 
Jesus has come to bring a jubilee over your life and set you free. Christian was praying and he talked tonight as he prayed about being set free from fear. But fear is endemic in our society, friends. Fear of the future. So people go to psychics and all sorts of things about what's going to happen. Fear about the kids. Fear about the future. Fear about your job. Fear about finance. And so it goes on and on. And God wants us to be set free. Set free from life-controlling habits. Set free from concerns about the future. Set free from religion. If you have come for a religious experience tonight, you are going to be disappointed. Because Arena Church is not a religious church. And every time somebody thinks they've come to religion, we just send that fox in and it completely sort of detonates it. I tell you, friends, I've met a lot of religious people and it's always binding. It's always restrictive. It's always critical. It's always condemnatory. And Jesus Christ has not come to bring us to religion. When people say to you at work, they say, oh, you're religious, aren't you? You can genuinely say, no, I'm not. I'm a Christ follower. I love Jesus. He has set me free. What about sickness tonight? Letting Jesus set you free. Not only were slaves released, but debts were remitted. Verse 28. Debts were cancelled. Now, I can't, I can't guarantee tonight, friends, that if you become a Christ follower, the ma- ma- bank manager at HSB is going to ring you up in the morning and say, tell you what, mate, your overdraft's cancelled. Well, wouldn't that be good? <laughs> your car loan's paid for. Whoa! Your mortgage is gone. Whoa! But there's a greater debt. There's a greater debt. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts. And God saw, friends, in the world that there was a debt we couldn't pay. And the Bible says that even if we've only ever done one thing wrong, it's like we're as guilty as if we've done everything wrong. And the more we strive to get towards the love of God, the more it seemed further to go away from us. And Jesus came and paid the debt. You don't have to pay it tonight. You don't have to pay it with your hard work. You don't have to pay it with trying to be a Christian. You don't have to pay it by trying to look good. You, have to, you, can, you can only come tonight and rest in Jesus and the Jubilee says the debt's been paid. And thirdly, all things were restored. Verse 13 of that chapter. God's restoring God. Everything that's taken from the church, friends, God's restoring back. And he's still doing it. Everything that's been robbed from you, God wants to give back. And I tell you, in Arena Church Mansfield, over the next uh, autumn and winter months, one of the things that's going to take place is that we're going to see prodigals coming back to God. People that have been robbed of what God's wanted them to do. And for some of them, friends, not literally, but within their life, they've ended up in the pigsty. Everything's gone wrong. They've turned from God. They've gone a long way. But then they start to come to the census. And the reason they start to come to the census is because people all over this room are praying. Praying for your brother. Praying for your sister. Praying for your husband. Praying for your wife. Praying for your kids. And God begins to ignite things in people's hearts. And they begin to see that whatever mess they've made, all things can be restored. And friends, when they make their way back to Father, guess what? He doesn't say, poor you. No, friends, he opens wide his arms and says, welcome back. Because once you were lost and now you're found. Once you're dead and and, and we're alive. And Arena Church Mansfield is going to have an incredible party of celebration. As we see people being restored. 
If you're here tonight and you feel the enemy has robbed your life and you heard the verse last week, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I'm come that you might have life. You need to believe tonight that God would restore. If you've been robbed of your confidence, God's going to restore it. If you've been robbed of moving in your gift, God's going to restore it. If you've been robbed of things that were yours in God, God's going to restore it because that's the jubilee. This is the year for God to act. Not only a year of liberation, but a year of mobilization. You see, because we're not only going to come to church, we're going to be the church. We're not only going to restrict this time to an hour and a half on a Sunday night at Field Mill. We're increasingly, friends, going to be the church, reaching out and ministering to others. And there is something arising in the church in these days, friends, that is quite unique. Because words and works are moving together. Every contemporary, developing, progressive church in the world, whether it be 50, 500, 5,000 or 50,000, is seeking not only to bring words, and we need to do that, but operate in works. God's given his church a passion for the world renewed, to love and serve the community, to reach out to people. Do you realize that as we're we're finding in Ilkeston, there are people in Mansfield tonight going going to bed hungry? Did you see the Salvation Army officer on East Midlands today, just a couple of days ago? And they were doing a huge collection in the Victoria Centre yesterday because right in the city of Nottingham, people are going to bed hungry at, uh, at night and the church is rising up, friends, to collect a few tins, a few cans, a few packets of pasta to help people through t- terrific short-term crisis at times and to feed the poor. The Bible says that the gospel is to the poor. And don't over-spiritualize uh, that at times. It literally means what it says. And churches rising up with words and works to reach out in these days. And you can be part of it. Mobilize to be what God wants you to be. You see, for too often the church has tried to do it on its own. And some of you have tried to do your your own thing and sometimes well-intentioned, but you felt the burden of that, the strain of that. You've been carrying things that God's never wanted you to carry. And it works best, friends, when we do it together. People have heard me say that... and, and forgive me for just briefly repeating it, but two or three months ago, I was in a church in Burton-on-Trent. We were setting in a new elder to the church, and the elder was a shepherd. He is a shepherd in the church, so that's an elder. I mean, for his living, he looks after sheep. And it was fascinating, because he bought his crook, and he talked about <laughs> giving a bit of a tap. And he said this, he says, sheep are flock animals. And the Bible describes us as sheep. You're not designed to go alone. You're not designed to do it on your own. You're a flock animal. We need each other. We need to gather. We need to make friends. We need to be part of what God's doing. Because when we do it together, friends, we can see something amazing happen as we get mobilized for the purposes of God. Just look in verse 18 and see what happened when people reached out. Firstly, when when acts of kindness reach out, they reach out to the poor. That's spiritually and materially. The gospel to the poor. They reach out to prisoners. He talks about the, the, the prisoners uh, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. And I've already talked a little bit about that. And he talks about the penned in, the oppressed and the blind. There are people, friends, all around us that didn't go out of the house because of fear. There are people tonight that are dreading night coming because they can never sleep. Penned in by their circumstances. And Jesus Christ has come to call the church to come to a place where we reach out to these people, where we start to uh, freshly connect, where we start to reach out and touch them. Not you carrying the whole burden of reaching this town on your own because it will kill you, but church together as a flock animal, reaching out with a renewed sense of mission and purpose to be mobilized for all that God's got for us in these days. That's the church. 
And then when we come together on Sunday, we refuel the faith. We stir each other up. We encourage each other. We backslide. We do a high fives. We praise the Lord. We hear his word and we go again for another week of being mobilized to not only come to church, but be the church for the glory of God. When God acts, friends, thirdly, it's a year of visitation. And the psalmist says, will you not revive us again, O Lord? There are people around this room, precious souls that have loved Jesus for years, that have prayed. And I don't want to go to the subject of revival that's often emotive, but simply to say, friends, that God's able to break in and do amazing things in people's lives when it's his year to act. Remember I said that the year of the Lord's favour is not defined by 365 days. But I want to give you just some examples tonight of God breaking in in time and doing some great things. You see, because the whole of the purpose of the church is, 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 is sustained by God breaking in. Sometimes when it seems so dark, sometimes when everybody says, well, the church is dying, nobody's going anymore, nobody's interested, the Bible's dead, no young people, all those things. And if you think that we're the only time in history where that's ever been said, you're wrong. It's happened again and again and again and again. But God loves the church. And he rises again and he gets all of ordinary people like you and me and say, I'll show them. Church is dying. I'll show them. And he begins to stir something afresh in people's lives. So let me just give you a few examples from the 20th century of God breaking in. In 1904, God broke in in South Wales. 100,000 people were saved in six months. The pit ponies' friends had to be re-educated because they couldn't understand the non-swearing language of the miners down the pit. Absolutely true. And the great songs that you hear roll around Cardiff Arms Park and the, and the Millennium Stadium, even today, the great hymns that roll around on rugby union days come out of revival. In 1921, the last recorded revival in England, the Reverend A. Douglas Baum came up from London, began to preach the word, and it was a revival that was that was sparked by simply the ministry of the word. He came on visitation. Something began to ignite. It wasn't in London, friends. It was in Lowestoft. Anybody ever been to Lowestoft? Thought not. Yeah, okay. You see, it's, it's sort of out there somewhere, down in the east of England. And people used to gather two, three hours before the meeting was starting officially, sing the songs of God, praising God, worshipping God. The word of God was ministered every night. Hundreds of people coming to Jesus Christ and being radically saved. The, the, the fishermen in the herring season came from the northeast of Scotland. And it was a tradition. They'd come down the, the east coast waters and come into Lowestoft and those eastern ports. They came in. Literally, friends, as the word of God was ministered in the open air, fishermen falling on their faces, receiving Jesus Christ, took the gospel back to the northeast of Scotland. And churches established all over the place. And if you go to the northeast of Scotland today, it's still one of the highest attendances of church people in the whole of the United Kingdom. Because of the year of the Lord's favour. In 1949, God spoke to a man called Duncan Campbell in the Hebrides. And God did amazing things for his glory. In 1954, Billy Graham came to this country, to the Haringey uh, Arena, and began to minister. The British press, you think they're, they're, they're bullshit nowadays. They were just as bad then. They gave him a terrible time. Who is this American evangelist, full of emotion, just speaking and calling people to Jesus? It's all emotion. In 1966, friends, 12 years later, Billy Graham came again to London, and this time he was at Earl's Court. On one particular evening, there were 52 Anglican clergymen on the platform serving God in ministry with the call of God on their lives that came to Jesus in 1954 because it was the year for God to act. In 1958, a Buddhist that was dying of tuberculosis was prayed for repeatedly by a young girl that says, I want to come and pray for the young man. He was near death. He was miraculously healed. 
He started a church. And today that church is the biggest church in the world. It's over one million members. Imagine a car park for that. It's in Seoul, South Korea. It's led by David Yonggi Cho. In 1995, on Father's Day, in a little naval city, Pensacola, on the, on the, the Floridian coast, most people in America didn't know where it was, never mind about Brits. But that year, a guy got up on Father's Day, Steve Hill, and began to preach. And within the next year, 100,000 decisions for Jesus Christ were made in one local church. Habakkuk says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Remember them in our day in wrath. Remember mercy. Well, friends, God can do it where we live. God can do it where we live. I'm a Knotts lad. I know the area. I get it. I understand some of the historical issues. I understand some of the divides that are even across this town right now, friends, that go back 25, 26 years. And you know what I'm talking about. I understand that there are families that still don't talk to each other because of strongly held views about certain things. I understand that the textile industries took a hit. I understand that people are fearful of the future. I understand that they feel that there's some diminishment of their town. I understand all of that. I get it. I'm a knots lad. But when God comes, friends, God can do amazing things. He can, bro- he, can, he can invade the brokenness of all of that and build his church that causes us to stand back and say, it's the Lord's doing. And it's marvellous in our eyes. And finally, friends, it's a year of confirmation. Because in Romans 15 and 9, the Apostle Paul says that by the power of signs and miracles through, sorry, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit, I have proclaimed fully the gospel of Christ. I didn't confer with Christian tonight. I didn't collude. I, said, I didn't say to Christian, you better pray that because that will fit in with what I've got to say later. But Christian said all that earlier. He just said it. He just got up and says, believing for signs and wonders to take place. And friends, as God leads us and God opens us, we'll take opportunities to pray for people. We're creating a platform. We're laying a foundation. We're building upon what God's doing. We're going to believe that people are going to get healed. We're going to believe that people are going to get set free. We're going to believe that people are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe that people are going to be empowered for ministry. Because we're believing that signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit will enable us to fully proclaim the good news of Jesus. So here we are, friends, 2,000 years after the words of Jesus were first said. In the Nazarene synagogue, so much so that people wanted to do away with him. But 2,000 years later, the prophetic truth still holds good over our lives today on Arena Church. And it's that this is the year of the Lord's favour. A year of liberation where God can set people free. A year of mobilisation where we not only come to church but are the church to reach out to a broken world. A year of visitation where the plowman overtakes the reaper and God does things that are way beyond even our imagination. A year of confirmation where the Holy Spirit comes, friends, to confirm the good news of Jesus. This is the year of the Lord's favour. It's the time for God to act. Arena Mansfield, it's a new day. It's a new time. It's a new purpose. It's a new mandate. It's a new opportunity for you to walk into all that God's got for you. It's time to leave your hurts aside. It's time to leave your disaffection of the past. 
It's the time to leave your criticism and your cynicism on one side. And it's time for every one of us to walk into all that God's got for us. And on this September evening, God says over us, Happy New Year.